Inside the First Midwest Bank State Street Studios, you are listening to ESPN 1000, WMVP Chicago. It's 9 o'clock on a Saturday. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show. Starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Eric Ostrowski. Now here's your host, Murph and Fred. Uh, morning, everybody. Mike Murphy here, and we do this show, as you maybe just heard, with a, a heavy heart. Dedicate this show. My longtime partner and buddy, Fred Hubner, the, the loss of the, uh, the love of his life. Wonderful, amazing Pat Hubner. Pat Hubner and Fred, they go back to Morton High School, and, uh, you know, everyone loved Pat. If you met her, you loved her. And uh, after four years or so of what she's been through, cancer one, one out. Thursday and Pat left us so our prayers uh, to you uh, Fred and your family and uh, we will carry on best we can today uh, without Fred but Fred loves the Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll if you're listening Fred alright number one vote now at ESPN 1000 oh here we go I would normally say I like this one and then uh Eric, you know what Fred would say? That's because you wrote it. <laughs> yes, he would. All right, vote now. Multiple choice. Who do you have more confidence in right now? I'm going to give you three, uh, four names, all right? Who do you have more confidence in right now in Chicago? Theo Epstein, Rick Hahn, Ryan Pace, John Paxson. We only have four slots, so I couldn't include uh, Blackhawks. Uh, GM, so sorry about that. Who do you have more confidence in right now? Theo Epstein, Rick Hahn, Ryan Pace, John Pax, and I have to tell you something. <laughs> I don't know who I'd vote for. That's one of the reasons I felt that this was timely. And we'd like to do it right now to lead us off. Theo Epstein, you have the... Uh, most confidence in him over these other names. Rick Hahn? Hmm? Ryan Pace? Uh, what a difference a few weeks can make. Huh? John Paxson? Interesting game last night. We won't spend much time on that, but we'll touch on the Bulls exhibition preseason. Vote at ESPN 1000, of all, of course, uh, as always. Number two, Joe Girardi... He's going to clash. He would clash with Theo. David Ross, well, frankly, he'll be Theo's puppet. So vote now. You don't have to be a Cub fan to vote for this. We'll, we'll take everybody on this one. Vote now. Joe Girardi will clash with Theo. David Ross will be Theo's puppet. Therefore, Theo will select to be the next Cubs manager, eh? The clash. Joe Girardi, he'll clash. The punk band from the 80s? I was, you know, I was going to say, if we had more time, cue up some uh, Clash music. It's, it's not my all-time genre specialty, but uh, we'll readdress this later so you can have some ready later there. Thank you, EO11. Or 
Will Theo select the puppet? Is there any? Pu- I don't know about any puppet music there is. Is there? I don't know the, the Pinocchio theme song. Sure. I don't know. Oh, you're on fire today. Can you stand fire for three hours today? You're good right well, now. I might be a pile of ash by that time. Who knows? Oh, nicely done. I see what you did there, by the way. And uh, Twitter poll number three. Cubs fans uh, only, please. Cub fans vote now at ESPN 1000. You want the next Cubs manager to be. This couldn't be any easier. A, Joe Girardi. B, David Ross. Or Grandpa. You think he'll still like to handle Grandpa as much as as the new skipper, as he sort of embraced it? I mean, it was cute and cuddly when he was still playing, you know, 40 years old, whatever he was, hitting a big home run. Grandpa. I don't know if Grandpa's... We'll see what the Cubs do when right. they Right. It's too him. chummy. He's not going to go in there and put his players on his lap and, and, and tell them stories. That's true. And maybe I could augment that with Derek. Also... It sounds like well, he's he's over the hill. He's already old time guy, <laughs> which he's not for old, a manager no, 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 at all, no. right? But, but old timey guy. Let me mm-hmm. use the phrase right. The old, so, you know, like see Joe Girardi. He's got the uh, you know perception is reality, which is an overused phrase, but it's correct. It's true. People perceive that Joe Girardi is not a numbers guy because of his age, but. He claims he is. He was doing the analytics year, you know, way before everybody. So, who will Theo hire, and who do you want Theo to hire? We got a lot more Twitter poll questions coming. I got White Sox. I got a lot of Bears. Oh, by the way, Jesse Rogers going to join us around ten o'clock. We're about a half hour away. Well, less less than that. Now at nine thirty. We're going to go over to the guys from SportsInformationSolutions.com where, you know, John DeWan hangs his hat. But we have uh, Matt uh, uh, Manichurian, Director of Football and Research over at uh, SIS. He's got some, I said, do you have any good uh, Bears uh, stats, something to brighten up uh, the the Bears uh, topic? you know, sort of just leaven the mix a little bit. He says, well, I got some numbers. You wouldn't say if they're good or bad. I have a funny feeling they're not going to be that good. Jesse, at 10 and uh, 11 o'clock, one of our favorite guys, Arthur Arkish, over there at the PFW, Pro Football Weekly. Oh, has he got a title now? I thought he was just lead guy, lead writer. What no, is it he's, he's the editor. He's the managing editor. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Arthur Arkish will join us. So busy day. Stick right here. Vote right now. We have 10 Twitter poll uh, questions online. We'll address the others a little bit later, but they're all there for you to vote right now. Oh, oh number 10. Can, can, can we address number 10 quick before we get into some meat and potatoes Yeah, we here? should get that out there. You know what? Do you have it there? For, can, can you present it to the class here? Uh, Twitter poll uh, number 10. How did I word that last night? All right. Lovely Dana, which oh, is, yeah. is Murph's wife, oh, yeah. doesn't like butterscotch topping on her ice cream. Right. And says 70% of all people do not like butterscotch topping. I said, Dana, what are you talking about? Here's how it came down. Very simple. I was at the store the other day, and occasionally we'll pick up, you know, some ice cream. Not often, but it's like a treat's up there in the freezer. You know, I went to the Oberweisses near me. They, they do a nice job. Yeah, you they know? do. And uh, so I'm pushing the car. I'm shopping the other day, and I hit up on the uh, 
Smuck is it called Smuckers? Yeah, Smuckers. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Right. And they got the strawberry topping, and then I grabbed one of the fudge. You know, I don't know exactly how to heat. Just what put it in the microwave? So I have hot fudge, I guess. Huh? Yeah, I guess. Hope it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> like if you put red gravy in for your spaghetti sauce. <laughs> but then I said, look at that. Oh, they had pineapple Smuckers topping for ice cream, and then right there, I go hot oh, butterscotch. So I bring that home. I go. Look, Dana, got some hot fudge topping. Maybe for the weekend, we're going to have some ice cream. And I go, look at this. I have this in your butterscotch. She goes, butterscotch? I go, yeah, butterscotch. I said, Don't, won't you put some of the... She goes, oh, no, I would never put that on my ice cream. I said, you're kidding me. She goes, and then lovely Dana rarely makes a declaration like this. I don't know where it came from. Maybe she's got her own Twitter poll going over at the hospital. I don't know. And she says... 70% of people wouldn't put wouldn't put that on their ice cream. 70% would not put butterscotch topping on their ice cream. I said, I'm putting, can I put that on the Twitter poll? She goes, oh, I don't know. I don't, you know, she doesn't like to really be involved. So she, re- she read it over before I submitted it to you last night. Which was a good call by you. Uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So let me just ask you. Uh, Votes are coming in. What I want to find out later from you, please, Eric, is uh, because we'll have like 10 uh, poll questions and uh, they won't all have the same amount of votes. I don't mean the results of each question, but, you know, one question that really piques everyone's interest could have two, three times more than maybe one. And that's a dumb one. So I'm also interested to see if if that uh, accrues, as they say, a lot of votes or not. Okay. So uh, vote right now on the three we have going, plus oh, the butterscotch question. But one of Fred Hubner's, in case you're listening, Fred, I know you also love uh, the uh, this segment. We don't do it all the time, but uh, Fred loved it, and we'll do it again when Fred's back. We got so many topics here, and I don't know sometimes where to go to. I got Bears stuff, Bulls stuff, I got Blackhawks stuff, White Sox stuff stuff. I got Cubs stuff. So sometimes we play uh, Pick a Lane, Fred. I say, Fred, come on now, let's pick a lane. E-O-11, you're welcome to uh, help out here. Uh, let's pick a lane. We got topics on everything. Not toppings. That would be butterscotch. We got topics here. Uh, EO11, Eric Ostrowski, all right, uh, pick a lane here. Do you want to go uh, Cubs, Sox, Bears, Bulls, Blackhawks? Get the ball rolling. Let's start with our beloved, the Bears. You don't like that lane. All right. Sure, we can do Bears. We can do Bears. Here's what I'd like to say about the Bears. They got a guy number 57. As Yurka would say, he's got a hyphenation. His name's Pierre Lewis. Kevin Pierre Lewis. Now, it's hard to say one guy single-handedly lost the game. And this was rehashed a lot this week. It's, it's fourth and six. It's late in the game. You got the lead. You got... You got Oakland pinned back. The punter's back there. Let him punt the ball. There's about five minutes left. He punts the ball. No. 
the hyphenated guy, Pierre. We got a couple hyphenated guys. Pierre Lewis comes in, thinks he's going to block the punt. Then he's pushed a little, he says. And it's running into the kicker. And it basically ends the game. So let me ask you a question. This reminded me of something that's been happening for the last month here in Chicago. And it was this. You know, Joe Madden, it had to be his fault that the Cubs were worst in the league in being or number one best, if you want to look at it, Oppo. The Cubs were thrown out on the bases more than anybody else in the major leagues. You know, going first to third with their head up their fanny and thrown out or trying to advance on a pass ball or a wild pitch. And how many people said that that's Joe Madden's fault? It's Joe Madden's fault. Uh huh. All right. It's not Joe Madden's fault. But yet, when people want to pile on and they want someone to blame and it's finger pointing time. So let me ask you this. Whose fault was it that this five-year, six-year veteran special teams guy, Pierre Lewis, had a fit of imbecilia? Yeah, he was an imbecile. And loses the game by doing something that anybody in Pop Warner would know not to do or high school or college. But wait a minute. If you can blame Joe Madden for the Cubs' poor base running, then the analogy would be, all right, then, it's not the players' fault. It's Coach Nagy's fault. I'll just leave it there. You just think about that. Can you bl- If you wanted to blame Joe Madden for the Cubs' base running blunders, then, by default, you have to blame the head coach of the Chicago Bears for that numbskull losing the game with an idiotic play that he should have known better. Or, no, 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 Murph, that's special teams coach's fault. He should have trained him. He should have told him before the punt. Don't rush it. Don't try to block it. Just block your man and then fall back into, into protection. Oh, no, no, no. You know what? Ryan Pace brought him in. <laughs> Ryan Pace should have done his homework on this guy. So roll that around as you uh, wait for your new Cub manager because uh, the Cubs had poor uh, base running. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's pick another lane, EO11. Uh, let's go to the rink. Let's go to the Blackhawks. Oh, beautiful. I'll just say this. They're 0-2. All right, fine. That happens. They're in the... Mitts now, they're heading into the second game of a, I believe, a seven-game homestand, one of the longest in franchise history. All right. So I was reading a little bit, little X's and O's, and it was one very disturbing thing I ran into. I think it was a Sun-Times uh, Blackhawk guy. Last name is Pope. Does a nice job. P-O-P-E, Pope. And this is something, you know, we all watch the Blackhawks. I'm not an expert. You might be. I'm not. And he talked about something that was so subtle today that I read it a couple of times. I said, well, I never would have thought of that. The Blackhawks are having a problem. Now, think about this. 
staying on the ice too long per shift, especially the defensemen. All right, what's that again? All right, 30 seconds is about the optimum amount of time that a hockey player wants to stay on the ice. Because you know what? You could be in the best condition. You could be 21 years old, work out every day, and you get gassed. 45 seconds, I get, you know, I'm not an ex pushing it. Minute, now, a minute, you're dead meat. You can't get into the corner. You can't do anything. You got to get off the, but there's only certain times you want to get off the ice. That's when the puck's dumped down the other end. It's safe. There's sometimes you can't leave the ice. So I'm reading today, and the Blackhawks defensemen are admitting, I got, we got to get off the ice sooner. Now, is that coaching? Is it the, again, the players know it, but maybe they're not giving themselves the opportunity, again, by dumping the pocket. So keep an eye on that. I don't know, got to watch the game with a stopwatch. Gotta, oh my gosh, look at that. 45 seconds, the blue liners are out there. Pick a lane, Eric. Let's go with they played last night. Let's go with the Bulls. Oh, the Bulls. Now, it's an exhibition game, right? It means nothing. They're 0-3. It means nothing. All right. They lose 105-87. to I know that means nothing. He played no starters, which is interesting. All right. That's fine. Played no starters. Probably watching the NFL. Watching the NFL exhibition preseason games. Okay, fine. But here's the good news, bad news. So the number one draft pick, Kobe White. I like the kid. Go to number zero, right? Flying around. Got the hair going crazy. I like it. If you look at the front end of the box, not bad. 24 points in 30 minutes. 10 for 22 from the field. Here, this ain't bad. 4 for 9 from 3-ball land. And you, if you watch, you can pull it up. You see all uh, a 10 of his uh, field goals. 10 for 22. <laughs> Eric, not one of them hit the rim. They're all... Really? It's, I know. means nothing. Exhibition. The other team's got... Back up, guys. Each shot from three-point and uh, long twos, it didn't even hit the rim. And he drove a couple times. Boom, boom, right in there. All right. That's good. Eight uh, boards. That's not bad. 30 minutes for a point guard. Did you then read to the next uh, column? See it, Eric? It's called assists, right? Yeah, right. Point guard, right? Mm-hmm. 30 minutes, right? What's the game? 48 minutes? Yeah. All right. Zero. <laughs> there you go. Well, good news, bad news. He looks great offensively against the second team. No assists. All right, what, what have we knocked off so far? The Bears knocked off the Blackhawks. Bulls starting to narrow it down. Pick a lane. Let's go to the south side before oh, we go to the north side. Oh, beautiful. All right, White Sox. And this will be a Twitter poll question on board now, but we'll review it and... Uh, uh, present it to you later. All right, everyone's hip with the uh, brouhaha. One of my favorite words. You never get to use it. Brouhaha this week. Jerry Reinsdorf. Something resurfaced from, you know, 20 years ago. Some say the guy was disgruntled. You know, he, long ago, uh, president of the, uh, back then they would have been called the Florida Marlins. David Sampson and Oh, yeah, we know Jerry told me once, you know, it's better to finish second. It's great to finish second and yada, yada. We all heard all that. 
But now it makes me wonder. Here's the thing. Sox fans, and I hope you've been thinking about this also. Sox fans, baseball fans. Will something like, I don't, I don't know the answer. Will something like this force, if that's the right word, cajole, pressure, Jerry Reinsdorf into saying, you know, I better spend some money that I wasn't planning to spend this offseason, especially after what this thing that just, just surfaced. I don't know. You know, George Hallis, as before, you 11. I know you know who George Hallis. What's his most famous uh, phrase you heard Mike Ditka used to quote it? Did you ever hear the one about the nickels and the manhole covers? You ever yes, hear that one? I forget how it goes, though, but I do remember it. Well, it was classic, and Mike Ditka is believed to have said it first. He came out of, back then, the players, they had no agents. They didn't have agents, you know. So, guys like Mike Ditka, he was the player, was a great player for the uh, Bears. He goes in for the yearly review and contract negotiate with George Hallis, who's been doing it for like 40 years, knows every trick in the book. And, you know, he sometimes say, well, I'm going to give you a bonus. Uh, okay, great. And then, the, but no, the bonus is your salary. Well, then it's not a bonus. Like, you know, you just, you know, well, last year you didn't earn the bonus, but that was your salary. You know, what? They get so confused. So he walked out of one of the salary negotiations, and most people know the statement, but he said to one of the reporters later, you know, he throws nickels around like manhole covers, which is one of the great ones ever. That is a terrific I mean, line. <laughs> it's just the illusion. You know, like, you know, there's Clark Kent, you know, super trying yeah. to pick up the manhole cover, and it's like a nickel, you know. But he had a second great statement, George Hallis. And this was never publicized that much, and I thought of this, with the Jerry Reinsdorf, <clears throat> again, brouhaha this week. To me, the Nichols and Mantle was a number two. George Hallis said to have said many, many years ago, in, in confidentiality, don't tell anyone. It's, I have to clean this up a little for, uh, for radio. He said, you know, finishing second place every year is better than finishing first. I go, yeah, why is that, George? He goes, well, you still fill up the joint, but you don't have to give the SOBs a raise the next year. <laughs> now, George, I believe, said that. I mean, there's sense to it. It's not what you want to hear from your owner. No. And back in those pre-television big money days, you know, the gate was your really only, almost only source of revenue. Right. You know, radio advertising, then the early days of TV. No, there's, there's no marketing. You know, you weren't selling sweatshirts and T-shirts. You know, it was, it was the gate, the tickets, the revenue. So, ex- apologies to Jerry Reinsdorf, but I thought of George Hallis, Jerry. <laughs> what I thought of this week. Well, you know what? We're going to have to save some of the... Uh, we have one item left there. What's what's left on our uh, uh, pick-a-lane, EO? Our Cubs are what is last. <laughs> well, let me just say this. Theo, you're lucky it wasn't first because we're up against the clock. But we have a lot of time left. Murph and Fred till noon. Uh, our sympathies heartfelt out to our, our buddy Fred Hubner on the loss of... Uh, of uh, lovely Pat. We'll be back in a flash. It's ESPN 1000. Welcome back. Hope you're having a great Saturday morning. A beautiful downtown, a little brisk. It is autumn. It is fall. 
And that means it's football. We're one minute away from some inside numbers from the guys over at, uh, you know, where John Dewan hangs out, Sports Info Solutions. We'll get to their football guy in a minute here, but uh, let's uh, visit a few more uh, new Twitter poll questions. Bears fans, everybody, welcome to vote right now at ESPN 1000. All right, we touched on it earlier. Multiple choice. Whose fault was it that number 57, Kevin Pierre-Louis Lewis, was flagged for running into the kicker up 21-17 late in the fourth quarter at the Bears 24 on fourth and six to basically lose the game. Whose fault was it, eh? Coach Nagy. Well, it was Joe Madden's fault when they run the bases poorly, you all said. Y'all said. What am I, from Georgia? Y'all said. B, no, no, general manager Pace's fault for bringing the guy in in the first place. No, no, no. It'd be special teams. Coach, he should have taught him, said, don't you dare get near that punter. Or supplier's fault itself. It's Pierre Lewis. Hey, let's go over now to Sports Info Solutions. It's SIS. Manicherry and Matt, the director of football research. Matt, you've been with us before and you had a minute for us today, I understand. Thanks for phoning into the Murph and Fred Show ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Hi, Matt. Hey, how's it going, Murph? <laughs> Great, man. Hey, thanks a million for uh, carving out a minute or two for us today here uh, in Chicago with some Bears talk. But, Matt, you know, I, you, the great John DeWine, I've never asked this question. Do you guys at Sports Info Solutions, do you have a, a, a method, an analytical ability to run numbers on stupid plays? I know you guys do everything with the great numbers. Is there a way? And I'm sort of half joking, but half serious. Have we gotten to the point yet? where guys like you might someday, or maybe you're already starting to do it, can say, you know what, that qualifies as a bonehead play. Are we there yet, or have you ever thought about going there? This is one of the great questions of football analytics and football research, and it's part of the reason why I got into the whole thing, because there are bonehead plays all around us. There are horrible decisions that happen every Sunday, every Saturday, for that matter, also. And one thing that we've done is we've created what we call the win probability calculator. And what that does... Wait, 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 hold on, excuse me. Give me that again a little slower. The what? The win probability calculator. (laughs) Okay. So we have this tool that we share with our team clients. And what it does is it tells you on every play what your win probability is going into the play. And then if you decide to punt or go for it on fourth down or kick an onside kick or go for a two-point conversion, it tells you what your expected win probability will be. And then it, it gives you the ability to kind of dive in uh, deeper and see why that's happening and what the historical numbers have been. And then you can make your own decisions based on it. But using this calculator, we actually create a report that ranks on a scale of not very dumb to completely the dumbest, uh-huh. um, how NFL teams go every week. But there's no ranking for who's making the smartest decision. Because it's just who's making the least bad decisions every week at this point. (laughs) The least bad. I love it. I love it. Well, there's a lot of bad going on, at least 
Sunday versus uh, Oakland. What do you guys have uh, going uh, for the Bears fans? To maybe some good news, maybe some bad news. Uh, we're getting near Halloween. John Dewan loves his scary stats around Halloween. I'm I'm worried that we're going to have. I'm, I'm thinking we're going to have some scary stats here. But give me something that uh, caught your eye when you broke down the Bears uh, numbers. I don't think it'll shock any Bears fans. The scary stats all come back to Mitchell Trubisky. And uh, with him injured, it's been it's been the Chiefs' Daniel show, which has actually been a little bit better. That's been a bright spot. Mm-hmm. But, but Mitchell Trubisky, he's been fifth from, from the worst quarterback by our statistic total points. The total points measures basically how well your team did, and it divides the credit amongst the 22 players on the field and tells you approximately how many points each player was worth. Wow. Well, Trubisky's been worth negative five total points earned this year, oh. which, is, which is fifth from the bottom in the passing leaderboard. In, in limited time, Chase Daniel's actually been much better than that, despite you know not lighting the world on fire. Uh-huh. That guy's going to push the ball downfield. But here are the numbers to keep an eye on with him as he's in there. The average depth of target. Right now it's just at 6.7 yards per attempt. And it's, it's not in his nature to try to push it when it's not there, which leads to high accuracy and more sacks. But if he can get that number up, if he can get that average depth of target up past 7, maybe even past the 8 mark, then you can start to open things up in the passing game. And unfortunately, at this point, he might be a better option than Mitch Trubisky in 2019. I don't think the quarterback of the future is on that roster. Wow. So uh, let's digest real quick there, Matt. Uh, He's right now doing better statistically from you guys than Mitch. Okay. What intrigues me there was the slight amount of yardage dis- difference between the 6.7 he's at, uh, depth of receivers, and maybe more optimum uh, of eight yards, I believe you said. And some people might be in the car Saturday morning in Chicago. Wait a minute, 6.7 yards and uh, eight, eight yards, that's what? That's four feet. Why would that, a yard and a third, why would that be such a, a major amount? It's because it makes the linebackers have to go deeper. Break that down just uh, for, for us uh, average fans here. Why would that make such a difference to be able to have length even just a couple yards perhaps deeper? Yeah, so I think to answer that question, let's let's leave the numbers a little bit and go back to the football field and think about Matt Nagy and the, the Kansas City Chiefs system that he comes from. With guys like Tyree Hill and Sandy Watkins stretching the field, um, obviously Pat Mahomes is the guy that we all focus on there. But what they do and what the really great offenses do today is they stretch the field vertically and horizontally. You use every inch of the field, and that creates more space because you really don't be successful running plays. For example, they don't come from super talented running backs as much as they come from space. So if Chase Daniel can get that average depth of tar- target, and yeah, it's just one one yard, if you get it one yard deeper per pass attempt, what that's saying is that you're attempting that many more uh, deep shot type plays and you're pushing the ball that much more down the field. And, and if he can do that, that'll open things up for the running game. Uh, that'll theoretically open things up for other receivers because right now it's just Allen Robinson and nobody else. Wow, wow. So uh, baseball has war, W-A-R, uh, players, you know, wins above a triple-A or average replacement guy. When, when you're doing the thing with the uh, 22 players on the field each play, and I think you call total points, is that sort of uh, uh, SIS, Sports Info Solutions, uh, can we relate that in a small way to, because uh, everyone's now familiar with war, W-A-R, what is the common uh, stat 
in football, uh, or is that proprietary per company, or do you guys have that going? Uh, just in general, how do we look at something like that, big picture, Matt? Yeah, so total points is very similar to war. And we actually also have a war statistic that, that we only share with our teams also. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and that's measured, you know, above the replacement plate. replacement. That's how you sure. measure that. Okay. With total points, though, what we're measuring, it's it's very similar statistic, and it really has the same underpinnings. But what that measures is basically on the scale of how many points are scored in an NFL season by an average team and then figuring out how many points are scoring above or below average. Cool. And then amongst that, which players are causing that. So a little bit more in depth, you know, we often talk about oh, this is the best team in the NFL in terms of yards or in terms of points. Well, if we get into expected points added, which is kind of the underpinnings of total points, then we can start to understand really the value of each play and then start to divide the credit for that value of each play based on, wow, this quarterback, you know, escapes pressure, rolled out of the pocket and threw it 60 yards downfield, as opposed to he threw a screen pass and the receiver did everything. Well, great stuff, Matt. And uh, even though you broke every Bears fan's uh, heart about five minutes ago and you said, I don't think the Bears quarterback of the future is on the team right now. Still nice visiting with you, I think. No. <laughs> hey, now, Matt, you guys got a lot going at the SIS at datahub.com. You got a free launch. Uh, not free lunch, because everyone at the station here loves a free lunch when sales brings over food. But what's that launch you guys have coming up? Yeah, check it out. SISdatahub.com. We just launched the free website where you can get all of our advanced stats so you can find out how many hurries a pass rusher, you know, your Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks has. Akeem Hicks, by the way, huge loss last week. Big underrated huh. storyline in that game. Yep, yep. Um, but you can look up any players, you can look up leaderboards, and you can find out kind of not just the surface-level box score information, but a little bit deeper what's going on with these kind of scouting-based statistics that we collect at Sports Info Solutions. Cool, cool. SISdatahub.com. Hey, Matt, always a pleasure. Thanks for a few minutes. Let's catch up with you in a month and see if you've found a Bears quarterback of the future on the roster now, hopefully, okay? All right, I'll be scouring the NCAA for you. Oh, nicely done. I see what you did there. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thank see you. It. See you later, buddy. Matt Manichurian, Director of Football Research. Sports Info Solutions, the, the home of John DeWan. Uh, miss a little, miss a lot. We have a minute here before we break. Eric, all right, let's, let's uh, eavesdrop for a minute. Some great, uh, as always, some great Yurko. Uh, this week, Yurko was breaking down the uh, Bears' offensive line, and uh, what do you, what do you do here? Go uh, uh, one by one on these uh, cuts, uh, Eric. Uh, we got one cut here, right? And and uh, Yurko sort of takes us through the O line on uh, a cut eight. Uh, go, you know, Massey's yeah, up there. He was a serviceable right tackle. When he's your second best offensive lineman, you got a problem. He should be your fifth best offensive lineman. Your right tackle. Right now, he's number two behind Whitehair. Daniels and Longer, 5-5A, five 5-A, five 5-B. Five five That's where that. Leno, as a gift, as a part of charity, because he's somewhat athletic, I, I put three. him as the third best offensive yeah. lineman. Right. So your problems are with the offensive line. And guess what? You got out tough. <laughs> what was that? What did he say at the end? He, you got what? Out- they got out tough. I love it. 
which they did. They got beat up against the Raiders. Oh, how tough. That's your go. Murph and Fred, tell you what, catch up on a few things. Jesse Rogers, top of the hour. Our guy, Arthur Arkush, back on the Bears beat around 11 o'clock. So we're busy, 9 till noon. Glad you're with us, ESPN 1000. Nice, brisk, early fall morning. Hope you're having a great day. Murph here. Murph and Fred, 9 till noon. And uh, Twitter polls ah, bursting at the seams. Let's bring in uh, Eric Ostrowski, EO11. Let's get some results here on our Jesse Rogers, by the way, in a few minutes on the Cubs beat. We'll be back on the Bears and all other sports items a little bit later. But... Uh, Right now, let's see what the fans have said. Twitter poll uh, number two. Joe Girardi. He will clash with Theo if hired as manager. But David Ross, he'll be Theo's puppet. Therefore, Theo will select A, the clash. See if Eric's over there. The clash. That'd be a great nickname for Joe Girardi when they hire him, if they do. It's going to clash with... I'm not I'm not playing this, this lineup. Are you kidding me? No, no, I'm not going to bring that lefty in in the seventh inning against their left. No, no, no. Yeah, you are, Joe. That, that's what the... No, 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 you hired me. The clash. Or the puppet, David Ross. All right, EO11. The fans have voted... Theo is going to select the Clash, or is he going to select the Puppet? What the fans say? 74% of the <laughs> voters saying that Theo will choose to select the yeah. Puppet. Oh, yeah. All right. Again, I'm sorry, 77, right? 74%. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. I knew not to put these cotton balls in my ears this morning. Sorry, <laughs> so. All right, now, let's see how that number correlates with the very next Twitter poll question, which is very similar but very different. Cubs fans, who do uh, you, who do you want to be the next Cubs manager? Not who will Theo select. 74% is that he's going to select uh, Grandpa Rossi. But Cubs fans, who do you want? Now, you might think, well, you know what? Everyone loves Theo, so I bet the number's going to be the same. It's going to be about 74%. So... Before you give us the results, is that true? Is this number also almost identical? About 74% of fans want David Ross like Theo does? No, that is not how this turned out. Oh, very interesting. All right. What do we have? Uh, So 61%. Said they want Joe Girardi to be the Cubs manager. Really? Yeah. So almost flipped reverse results on that. Wow. That's good stuff. See, sometimes the Twitter poll... It can be a little, you know, well, what's your favorite ice cream topping? You know, which, which <laughs> right. is fun. Like fluff. But this is, this is. Wait, there used to be telling. a thing called fluff. Did you know that? Yeah, the little marshmallow. Or uh, like yeah, with yeah, peanut yeah. butter and jelly, some people do the oh, fluff. Uh-huh. I don't know if you meant like a fluffy question or you were actually talking fluff. I was actually talking question, but yeah. Oh, okay, well, both, it works <laughs> both ways. So, 61% of Cub fans are saying they'd prefer Joe Girardi over Grandpa David Ross. Rossi. That's amazing. Now, this is not television, but I have a couple uh, clippings here, a couple photos that ran this week. Uh, this, these happen to be in the Sun-Times. 
And Gordy Wittenmeyer's actually got credit for the photos, which is pretty wild. He's the great reporter from the Sun-Times. There's a picture from the uh, uh, one day when Joe Girardi had the interview with Theo and uh, Jed. And there's a picture of them, and sort of looks like they're just getting ready to leave the building, but they're through like some glass. But uh, Gordy, like, did a, a TMZ sneak job. Got the little photo of them. And then the next day, there's another picture of... Theo and uh, uh, Ross, Rossy walking down near the firehouse there over probably the Starbucks or back on, uh, on good old Waveland Avenue. You had those there and you hadn't looked at them until uh, about an hour yeah, just ago, right? right? Now, yeah. mm-hmm. All right. So uh, and we're up against the clock for Jesse. Paint us a little picture first on the uh, Joe Girardi. What do you observe? There's Joe with the uh, Theo and uh, uh, Jed, and they're sort of, uh, well, how do you look at that picture? All right, well, Joe's got a nice suit on, and Jed and Theo both have their shirts buttoned up, buttoned tight. Bingo. First thing you noticed was Joe Girardi did old school suit and or sport coat, uh, respectable to go to the meeting, uh, the interview. And you noticed, again, not uncommon, you don't see Hoyer and Epstein often in sports coats. But, you know, but you find, that's interesting because that's the first thing I noticed, too. And I thought maybe the age difference of different, uh, you know, uh, demos, you and me. And so that did catch your eye. It did, because they're very contrasted in the two yes. pictures. Because the other picture, David Ross is wearing a sweater. Okay. Just like a sweater and jeans, and then Theo is in jeans with okay. a, a, a polo shirt with his sleeves rolled up. And they're walking down Waveland Avenue. Yeah, and very they, laughing, having very, a good time looking at the camera. Very happy. Yes. Very sort of like, uh, you know... Well, friendly. Which, friends, which, yeah. It looks like friends walking down to get a cup of coffee. Which they are. Yep. So there's nothing wrong with that. But now the Joe Girardi picture, which again was one isolated picture, which so it really means nothing. But there, no one looks too happy, their body no, language. No, it looks like they're mid, mid-business, real serious conversation type thing. Yes. Or it also like it ain't happening. Yeah, I mean, if you want to look at it that way, well, yeah. I mean, you know, we're just reading. It means nothing. Neither means anything. But right. the contrast was striking. Thank you, Eric. Uh, hour number one is history. Hour number two, right around the corner. Back in a flash with Jesse Rogers, Murph, and Fred, ESPN 1000. We are live from the First Midwest Bank Studios. This is WMVP Chicago. Saturday's all right. Hope it's all right with you, Murph and Fred. Saturday's 9 till noon, and we do the show with a heavy heart. My longtime and great partner, Fred Huebner, the uh, passing, the love of his life, his wonderful and amazing wife, Pat Huebner. We dedicate this show to him. We're one minute away from Jesse Rogers. Uh, hey, uh, EO11, I, I can't wait any longer. Uh, are we getting some votes on, uh, well, I'll just read the question here. Lovely Dana doesn't like butterscotch topping on her ice cream and she says 70 percent of all people are like me she said they don't like butterscotch topping uh, do you like butterscotch topping don't give me the results are we getting some uh, oh yeah they're coming in are they coming in yes they are they, they're 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 rolling in all right all right we'll keep the, keep me going on that because we'll well as I, jesse loves everything are you kidding me he likes all toppings Hey, Jesse. Hey, Jesse. It feels like a party. 
Wesley Rogers, baseball guy, follows the Cubs around. He hides out in a hotel lobby, tries to listen and say, oh, I got some scoop here for Murph and Fred. Morning, Jesse. I can tell when the Cubs are not in the postseason when you are doing your favorite ice cream toppings. Uh, You don't even have to look at the standings. You know they're not playing right now when you are doing your favorite ice cream toppings. Well, you are. That's, uh, That's a. Uh-huh. Big difference than a week ago. Well, or two you're, weeks ago. <laughs> you're allowed to vote uh, as always. All right, fans say to Jesse Rogers. Jesse, we just, and uh, let's bring in Eric Ostrowski, EO11. Uh, we just had Jesse, a very, very, I thought, poignant and uh, a compelling, re- uh, some interesting results uh, from the uh, Twitter poll we just had. We'll do it quick because we just uh, did it more in length. But we asked, uh, we had two Twitter poll questions for Cubs fans. The first one was uh, Joe Girardi, I guarantee you, he he and Theo, they would clash. Uh, if he were named manager, they'll clash. No, no, I don't like this lineup you're sending down to me. Stick it, stick it. No, no, you're my manager. I don't. Okay, or David Ross, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be, I call him Theo's puppet. I say that in a very nice way. Theo, therefore, and the fans have voted, Jesse, Theo, therefore, will select the clash. Eric doesn't have it. He was playing Clash music before. (laughs) Thea will select the Clash, George Roddy, or the Puppet, as I call him, uh, Grandpa Rossi. And the vote came in overwhelmingly. 75 percent, 74, 75. Now we're up to, well, he'll select the puppet. 25 percent of the Cubs fans said, well, he'll maybe select, uh, you know, Joe Girardi, the clash. But the next question, Jesse, is where we really get the bread and butter. Cub fans, I simply asked, who do you want as the next Cubs manager? An amazing 61% Joe Girardi, 39% David Ross. Let me ask you a general question, Jesse Rogers. Maybe this is a dumb question, probably is. But would it be fair to say this? And it's probably not. But I'm going to ask you, is it fair to say if they hire a guy like Joe Girardi, they're in it to win it in 2020? But if they hire, you know, a David Ross, a rookie manager... It's more like, okay, we're going to retool for a year and then sort of grow with the new guy. Uh, Maybe that's unfair, but in general, you see where I'm going? Of course I do. I I would disagree with that. I would disagree with that. I think they think that if they hire David Ross, he's going to do a good job right away, like Aaron Boone and these other guys. Mm -hmm. Of course, it is the National League. Um, I, I, I would contend that he'll bring in a former manager as a bench coach. I don't know if it would be, you know, Loretta would stick around. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm more on board with David Ross now than I was a few weeks ago or even a, a couple months ago. Why? When kind of How all come? How come? This was coming. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I've talked to a lot of people and the idea of the first year NL manager, maybe it's a little easier these days. They even asked the question to Theo Epstein. Now he agreed. It's 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 not as easy as the American League. Obviously, it never will be. But it, it's a little easier because you do have all this information. And in this case, the Cubs have a, as they like to say, a pretty good pitching infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I think they really like Tommy Hadovy. Borzello's been around the block. You get a veteran, maybe bench coach that used to be a manager. You have enough tools to to handle a bullpen maybe better than a rookie manager did back in the day. That's what I believe. That's my question mark. Uh-huh. I think. He's getting hired if he's hired because of one thing. 
to kick some butt with those players, whether he's friends with them or not. And that's the reason he has the edge over Girardi. They are guaranteed of a guy that will get in some faces. And I, I will bet you money this team does not lead the league for the third year in a row in outs on, made on the bases with David Ross. Now, Javi Baez might lead the league, but he does so many good things, you, you live with that. But there's no way under Ross this team will lead the league in outs on the bases for the third consecutive year. So that's my example. They are guaranteed a, a butt kicker in there with him, and of course in the right way, not just a yeah. crazy butt kicker, you know, with, with some nuance to him, just like he did as a teammate, Murph. He's already proved he can be respected and still get in a player's face because he did it. Now, it's a different dynamic as a manager, but still the same thing exists. He needs to gain respect while telling them the truth. See, this is interesting, and what you say is very interesting because what – and I do not disagree. So what you're really saying is they took advantage of Joe. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's, that's really what you're saying. Not only that, Murph, he didn't push back on it. I will tell you about a conversation you can ask the other reporters about at the end of the year in Pittsburgh. This is the last, second to last series. They've already been eliminated. And we're talking about the outs on the bases. And, he's, and, he's, and I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. You know, he said things like, yeah, we should. Someone should look into where the outs were made and how they were made and why they were made and all these things. And I'm thinking, Joe, you've led the league for two years. Aren't you guys doing a deep dive on? I could tell you exactly where the outs. If I can tell you where the outs were made, I think they were second in the league at third base and second or first at home making out. You know, I, I don't have it in front of me, but mm -hmm. if I can find it, why aren't? I feel like in the final year there. Joe acted like things were happening to him that were out of his control. Leading the league in errors, or second, I guess. Leading the league in outs and the bases. Those are things I think a manager can have a hand in. Look, he doesn't run the bases himself. We know that. But can he shut the door and say, guys, unless your name is Javi Baez, back off a little bit. Just a little bit. Now, his, his response to that, Murph, was, I don't want to coach the aggressiveness out of players. You know what? Maybe you should out of Wilson Contreras. Maybe you should out of certain players. So that that's my feeling. Yes, in a way, they took advantage, I guess, because he never really pushed back. In my opinion, he didn't. Because if he did, there would have been some better results, I think. You see, it's a great topic, Jesse Rogers, because it's zooming in on a what appears to be, you know, a, someone, a very specific thing. Yeah. Or, or, or some would say that's a small thing, but I'm not, I'm not saying that guy in the car right now. Oh, come on. There's a bigger picture, but it's sort of like the old broken glass theory back in New York school district. in the 1970s, when kids were breaking the windows of the schools and the, uh, the superintendent of the school district out there back then said, you know what? He said to the superintendents, anytime a glass is broke, windows broken, I want you to fix it the next day. And they said, we got boilers breaking down. We got the roofs leaking. It's called the broken glass theory. He says, no, fix them. They fixed the glass. They fixed the glass. And the story goes pretty soon they, you know, stop breaking the glass because there's nowhere, nowhere to get to. So I know what you're saying. But I'll never forget, Jesse, the first press conference Joe Madden had. I don't know if you were still on the hockey beat or you were there. At Cubby, no, I was there. The Cubby sure, Bear shot in a beer, right? Okay. Yep, yep, yep. And one of the things he said was, I don't mind. I'll never forget this. And I didn't know if it was goofy or wise. He said, I don't mind a runner being out at third to end the inning. Right. And I'm thinking, 
Jesse, guys like you and me, we've been brought up since we were kids, and you were Little League coaching in Northbrook. You never are the first out of the inning at third or the third out of the inning at third base. And most people, you know, you can figure out why that is. We don't have to go into the reasoning. And he said, I don't mind a guy being out at third to end the inning. And I'm thinking, and it like hit me with a, a Louisville slugger in the side of the head when I heard it. And I'm thinking, well, what the heck? That's oppo. But then I thought, well, what he's saying is be aggressive, be yourself. Now, that was his thing from the beginning. Have fun. Don't let the pressure exceed the pleasure. So in the beginning, maybe it worked. In other words, try to go from first to third because you've been a sleeping ball club and you've never tried to be aggressive and we're going to push the envelope. But then maybe it got to the point where I think you're circling around the wagon here with me to the point that, well, maybe he should have said, you know what, it's time now to not be the third out of the inning at third. What do you think? Absolutely. And let me tell you a story because this cycle already happened to him in 2015, the beginning of spring training. He said exactly the stuff you're saying to his team. I want you to play fun, loose, go for the extra bag, do all those things. Okay, this is what he told his team. Brand new manager. Guys want to impress him, right? They took his words to, to, to heart. Mm-hmm. They start. I, I, I wrote this at the time. I wrote it. I rewrote it at the All-Star break this year. This is 2015. Go back and find it. ESPNChicago.com. Search it. He At the beginning of when games started in 15, his first year, they ran wild on the base pass in spring training. So who cared, right? It didn't matter. But it does matter. So they ran wild, made all sorts of mistakes because I think they were trying to impress him. He told them to play loose, take the extra base. Fundamentals got away from them early in spring training that year. Every reporter there remembers this. There was one day where he got mad, furious about this. You might remember it. In front of cameras, in front of reporters, he went off on his team. It was too far. They weren't playing the game the right way. He, he closed ranks. He pulled back on him, and they started playing normal baseball. Look, when I inter- now let's not hammer Joe Mann. I think he's a great manager. I think a lot of the things he does, and the idea of pushing the envelope is the right idea. Right. I, remember, I remember interviewing John Lester that spring training. And saying, you know, we were getting to know this new manager, and he had played against him all those years. The Rays had beaten the Red Sox to go to the World Series. I asked him, what was it, what is, what's special about Joe? What was it when you faced him? And he said, the thing I realized over the years facing the Rays was they were always ready. They were always, I think he used the phrase, pushing the envelope. Because if you push the envelope, you you force the other team into mistakes. Yes. And that's great. Yes, you but do. There's, but there's always a line you shouldn't cross. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Joe realized that in spring of 15, and he, and he laid down the law. Why he didn't lay down the law the second year in a row, making the most outs in the, on the bases, I will never understand. The only answer I can come up with is the moment they didn't extend him at the end of 18, hmm. remember what he's, he's always said when you ask him, where do you want to go? I want to go as a manager where I'm wanted. Right. The moment they didn't extend him, mm-hmm. he knows he's not wanted here. I don't care what Theo says, you get the feeling you're not wanted. If I just I'll just my my option for next year was picked up. If they told me this is your option and that's it, you're done. Uh, what how do you think I'd feel that final year? How do you think I would how would any of us feel no matter what they said, it's still a shot across the guy won 95 games. And I actually understood why they didn't extend him. But if you're that guy, you're wondering, what the heck, man? We've averaged 96. We've won the most games over four years. So the moment, so that's the only answer I could come right. up with. 
that so so again the second year in a row making those outs and anybody that thinks it's too small the most outs on the bases and the most errors in the league you're talking about the runs you could have saved uh defensively and runs you could have scored you don't think that makes a difference in games that could that that's five i don't know how many wins that is but that's a lot of uh, def, uh defensive mistakes and offensive mistakes that could have turned into runs or, or saved runs. And, I'll t- and, you, and you're right. And I'll tell you something else. Back in November, when uh, it became apparent that he was not going to be well, extended, and more than that, I remember talking with you and Fred in November, and I said, you know what, then? They should let him go right now, November. You don't have a manager or a head coach in any sport where the players know and he knows that he does. Even if they're, even if Theo Epstein was not going to bring him back right now, he knew that the year for last November he should have extended him to 2020, and then you let him go and you eat one more year of the dough. I'm not saying it was just because of the dough because that'd be horrible, but they should have let him go in November and then started new. Then it was a year where all year everyone was knew the clock was ticking but it didn't put good pressure on him it must have made the players either go well he's a lame duck he's not going to do i mean it never worked from november and why theo did it that way he, theo can tell me later i don't know but i but i will say as covering this team it wasn't something that i know brian said this in an interview but i didn't think it was palpable in the locker room right. joe's last year uh-huh. but but i do think in joe's mind again I want to go where I'm wanted. The moment they didn't extend him, he has to be thinking, sure. well, maybe I'm not wanted. And, and and I'll go back to that last inter- you know, Pittsburgh series interview, that group group interview, and he's wondering. I just feel like he thought things were happening to him, things that he could control on some basis. Bench a guy, shut the door, say something. You know, it, he talks about, and I agree with this, the team that needs a lot of meetings it has problems, right? Mm-hmm. But there are circumstances. When Yelich went down, you know, council did what you would think he, you should do. He closed the door and said, we are not letting this affect us. We are still going to put our best foot forward. You know, sometimes guys rise to the occasion. I picked the Nationals to go to the World Series in March, in March, for one reason, addition by subtraction. And I think Bryce Harper is a great player. But when all the sun and energy is on one player, that's a problem in my world. He leaves. All of a sudden, Anthony Rendon, Wow. People notice him, and and the team comes together in some ways. We have to overcome this big loss of of, of, of Bryce Harper, and they did. They overcame their loss of Yelich. Where was where was Joe or Theo closing the door when Baez went down or Rizzo? Guys, let's rally around each other. It just was the same old, same old. Where the Cubs were going to get there. And these are some of the, the aspects I think Theo addressed in his post-game, post-year uh, interview. See, this, is, presser. this is why Jesse Rogers is great. He makes me think a little bit about things that I hadn't thought about before. Now, so good cop, bad cop. It's been around forever in all sports. You know, the, the good cop eventually. And then you, you bring in David Ross, the bad cop, you know, right. quote, quote, unquote. So final thing on, on Joe Madden. What if they'd have had a bad cop? in 2015 2016 it wouldn't have worked see let's say they had an ass kicker back in uh 2015 2016 with these young guys they were probably i'm you know maybe too fragile then you're a young guy you don't know what's going on you're new to the big you needed the magician to come in and this is fun and don't let the pressure the problem is how many managers 
can be both the good cop and then two and a half years later, now it's time to be the bad cop. Maybe some can. Maybe Craig Council did it. I don't know. But so you look at how many guys are there, not to name names, Jesse, but think right. about it. All sports, you covered hockey. How many guys out there can be the good cop and then flip the switch? Time to be the bad cop or... You know, I'm the bad cop coming in. Now it's time to be a good good cop. Maybe there are a lot of guys out there. I don't you, know. You, you might be right. It's hard to have all those qualities wrapped up into one individual. But but the, and this is what surprises me about what happened with Joe. He is so, you know, he is so bright and, and understands the evolving as a person, as a manager. And I blame him and Theo for not understanding. You and I understand it. The post World Series winning world. I have said this a million times on the air. That, that we were living in and they were living in. And the, the, sometime in 18, when they realized they were, they were acting like we're the Cubs, we'll be fine, we're the Cubs. We're... Joe should have uh, – uh, look, he, what, I just gave you that story in 15 where he was the bad cop in spring training. I remember it like yesterday because it stands out because he's usually not the bad cop. So I think he had that quality. Why he didn't uh, trigger it in 18 or especially in 19 – that's the big mystery. Maybe he, he doesn't really have it, and he, and he mustered it up that one moment. In my book, Ben Zobers tells the story, and he's known him longer than anyone, that he's only seen Joe Mad once mm-hmm. uh, in 08 after the uh, All-Star break, or maybe in 09, the, the, the hangover year. You know, they went to the World Series. Right, that one. right. A- o- after the All-Star break in 08 or 09, they were playing bad, and Joe shut the door and went nuts. So this is two times now Ben's seen it. 15 in spring training, and then. That's it. So maybe he really, it's not part of his, you know, innate DNA, whatever, but but he does have it. He just did not use it. And last thing, again, he should have realized, I don't have a bad cop in that room. There's no Lackey. There's no Montero. There's no David Mm. Ross. I need to be that guy because Rizzo is not going to turn into that guy. That's obvious. He's not. Um, you know, who Lester and Hamels as pitchers, they tried, they really can't do it as pitchers. So it's up to someone to do it. Um, and it needed to be Joe Madden and it wasn't. Should uh, Theo have replayed All-Star break, brought in David Ross at the All-Star break, maybe? I never really have asked you that. I yeah. hadn't really thought about it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's a hindsight thing. It is. It's second-guessing. You're right. It, 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 I mean, he could have. He could have. I do think, out of respect to the guy that won the World Series, mm-hmm. give him give him that last year. It would have been a very aggressive move. Um, they did play a little bit better right before the break. Yeah. Remember, they were they were on a bad streak, and they played a little bit better. I'm sure, absolutely sure, it was internally discussed. Can we salvage this year? And it's not like they were ten games out. Right. Can we salvage this year okay. by, by changing? Yeah. I think out of respect to Joe, right. they didn't cool. do it. Jesse Rogers. Jesse, uh, I remember back when you were a young pup looking at, the, at me through the glass, wondering what the hell were we doing on Belmont Avenue. I used to talk <laughs> about uh, Mr. Old Man Stalzer, my next-door neighbor, back when I was 10 years old in LaGrange Park, right? And uh, he used to look at me and say, young man, and he's probably... You know, I'm probably older now than old man Stalzer was then. As I look back, he said, it's always about the money, young man. And I had no idea what he was talking about. I had 10 cents in my pocket to go buy two packs of the Topps baseball cards. Always about the money. What the heck is old man Stalzer talking It's always about the money. So, Jesse, here's a quote uh, from uh, uh, Theo Epstein uh, uh, the other day. He says, uh, 
if the if it is an experienced manager, you know that we're looking for who has won, and there's competition for his services, we always pay accordingly. He continues. The amount of money we'll be paying for a manager has never come up, Epstein said, meaning with Tom Ricketts, I assume. Literally, he uh, finishes here, literally it's never come up one time that we should consider uh, a manager based on, you know, what we pay. It has never been bandied about in these walls, period. All right, I want to believe that, and I'll take him at his word that it's true. Here's my question. So... There's a drawer on the left side with what's the Cubs payroll going to be? About $220 million. Doesn't matter. Just for round numbers quick. Sure. Okay. So yeah. you're, you're sitting in Theo's desk right now. Eric Ostrowski, you're sitting at your desk there. You're Theo, right? Jesse, you got a drawer on the left. You open it up, and there's $220 million sitting there. And, this, and it says 2020 budget, player budget. Okay. Now, you open up the, the right-hand drawer, and there's no money in it, but it says manager's budget mm-hmm. now here's my question and i i don't know that anyone knows the answer are there is there money in both drawers in other words if he's got 220 million for players in the left drawer is there another four million dollars sitting in the drawer on the right for the new manager if he wants to you know joe girardi or does he have to take the money out of the left hand drawer away from player payroll to put towards the manager it doesn't seem like a, a important question but could that pass if that's the case he doesn't want to take four million away and only have 216 million for players or do you think i'm way off base no i don't think you're way off base i'd like to think and i don't know the answer either that those drawers are separate that they that that drawer is empty and they just you know whoever if it's Girardi, it's got to be a little bit more if it's ross it's a little bit less and it has nothing to do with player budget. I think that's the case. I think that's probably the case on most, you know, on most in most organizations. Mm-hmm. Now, again, you, you you even said it. It, it may not be an important question because we're talking about the difference between you know what a million and three million. You know what I mean? Like, right? It's it, okay. Maybe I mean, it gets I, you I a secondary relief. I'm just saying. I hope not. You know, it better yeah, not. Yeah. It better not I think be. it's separate. Okay. I, and I and what you said, I agree. I'd like to take him at his word that. That, you know, yeah, if they're right, haggling over fine. paying a guy a million or four million, really, come on, you've worked three billion. But we always say that, I guess. Jesse Rogers, I have my yellow pad, Jesse. E11, why, why is there music in the bed? Are we, are we up against the clock already, Eric? Sure are. We got a few seconds left in this segment here. Would, would, you, I'm, would you do me a favor, Eric? Longtime producer, uh, how would you ask Jesse right now? You, if you'd like to hold over, because I maybe he's got to go get the go to the laundry and, and get the cleaning. And- <laughs> right, ba- based on uh, based on your honey do list, do you have like 10, 15 more minutes for us, Jesse? Oh, I've got a time card to fill out. So ten, <laughs> more in. minutes on it is great. <laughs> <laughs> Old man Stalzer must have taught you that one. Yeah, that's exactly right. Jesse Rogers, it's the Murph and Fred Show back in a flash. Thanks, Jesse. It's ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. And a heavy heart today, working without my longtime not just partner, but friend and buddy Fred Hubner. The passing of lovely, lovely, wonderful uh, Pat Hubner. And uh, Jesse, uh, you knew Pat, you knew, you know Fred, of course. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful uh, gal, wasn't she? 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to uh, pass on my condolences as well. Absolutely. Pat was just beloved. Everybody, we've known that, you know, Fred and Pat for 25 years and just a great couple. And it's just so sad to, to hear that. You're not the same without him there. Uh, and uh, uh, Pat's uh, and, and Fred's not, not, you know, without Pat. It's mm. just, it was always Pat and Fred, you know, so oh, yeah. just just sad, just sad. So I, I want to send my condolences yeah. as well. Jesse, a couple more minutes. Jesse Rogers, nice enough to hold over on his busy Saturday. Uh, so, not so busy. Okay. <laughs> I'm not at a game. I'm not at a game. I went to that, you know, Braves Cardinals series. You're not and at a was, game. It was a great one. Five game series there. But uh, yeah, I'm done. My, my baseball season ended when the Cardinals scored 10 runs in the first inning. <laughs> Wait a minute. Eric, if he's not at the ballpark today, how come you how come you played <laughs> Saturday in the garage counting how many exactly. books he still has to sell? <laughs> Well, a lot now. I have a lot left over. Collector's items. Although if he jo- if he joins the Angels, I'm going to write Ooh. a couple extra chapters. Ooh. That's that's a that's definitely an epilogue there. Yeah, yeah. He'll be telling them, "Don't worry if you're the third out of the inning of third. Okay, <laughs> don't worry about being the third out of third. That'll be the next book." But let, let, I'm going to remind everybody because yeah. the ending was kind of bad, and I think you agree. Joe Madden is was a great manager, yes, yes. but I don't disagree with Theo. Okay. Maybe in this point in time, it needed something different. But I, I might contend that about anybody that won the World Series in mm-hmm. '16, that it's just impossible to re to refine that hunger again for the whole team. It's just, it's just weird. I said on the air yesterday. You know, we turn on our managers in this town a lot quicker than we turn on our players, mm. and maybe that's it. The, the Cub players have always. Have, have have almost always felt more comfortable, I think, being a Cub than anywhere else. Let me just finish that thought. Yeah. Jason Hayward. Now, Grant, I know he took some some abuse, right? But after a couple in any other city, especially like Boston, the big cities, Jason Hayward would not be declaring in interviews with me and other people, this is my, the best time of my life. Now, I know he's making a lot of money, but only as a Cub having those couple bad years, could you still say, I love it in this city. I love everything about this city, right? Cub fans are a little bit more forgiving, but that's not the case with the manager. He was a great manager and did a great job, a great job with his team, 15, 16, 17 especially. Jesse, I have a uh, Cubs uh, retooling plan on the old yellow pad here. I'm going to lay on you in a minute. I'll give you a sneak preview. It's my uh, three-legged stool uh, versus the two-legged stool. Have you ever heard that one? No. Uh, I don't think so. No. Yeah, no. No, I just uh, got to dream this up the other night over <laughs> a cup of blue cheese olives. <laughs> if you know what I mean, Jelly Bean. Yes. All right. But before we do that, let's bring in Eric Ostrowski. Eric, let's see if Jesse wants to vote, and we're going to try to uh, guess what the fans voted. Here was our number one Twitter poll of the day, Jesse, and uh, it's multiple choice. Who do you have more confidence in right now is the question to the Chicago sports fans. And we have four uh, uh, possibilities. Who do you have the most confidence or the most faith in right now? Is it Theo Epstein, Rick Hahn, 
Ryan Pace of the Bears, John Paxson of the uh, Bulls. And uh, uh, I, I have not yet been able to vote because I don't know what how to vote. EO11, let me just ask you. Don't give us not, the results. What about, what about Stan Bowman? You didn't include him? Well, tell him why, Eric. <laughs> we only have four options on Twitter okay. polls. So <laughs> that was why. That's fine. They, <laughs> hey, they won three championships. Give them a break. We only have room for four characters, but we invited you anyway, Jesse. No. <laughs> so are the results just – are they lopsided one far and away or is it spread out a little even? Don't uh, just tease me. There's there, one clear winner and one clear loser. Okay, so John Paxson's the clear winner. <laughs> I, I don't uh, think so. No. That no. would be two percent no. of the vote. John Paxson. Who do you have the most faith in, John Paxson? Well, I mean, I mean, he's yes, he's the worst. Well, he's the lo- he's yes. the winner, but he's the loser. loser. Oh, yeah, right. 2%. Of course. All right, so only 2% have faith in John Paxson, all right? And, uh, you know, perception is reality, John, if you're listening. So who do you think is going to win this? Uh, who's, who do people have the most confidence in, Epstein, Hahn, or Pace? Now, here's where it gets a little wrinkly, Jesse. As we know, uh, all, all uh, statistics show that there's, you know, about twice as many Cub fans in Chicago marketing surveys and Sox fans. It's just the facts of life. So often these will come in skewed, excuse me, uh, because of that. But uh, so I don't know where, Jesse, who do you think, who do you have the most confidence in right now? Epstein, Han, Pace, or, or Paxson? I'm going to a- answer and and it's not drinking the Kool-Aid or anything like that. I'm going to answer Theo Epstein simply but because of facts. He has done it several times. He has, he has built a team. He has retooled a team. He has executed plans several times that have led to championships in different cities. That's not exonerating the mistakes. Mm-hmm. Rick Hahn has not executed it to completion. Ryan Pace has not executed it to completion. And God knows Paxson has an ex. So I'm just going by facts. He has done it several times in different places that have led to good results. He needs to do it again here with a new game plan. And and this year, at least, he has some uh, you know financial flexibility and all that stuff. So I'm going to vote for Theo. By the way, our buddy uh, uh, Gordon Wittenmeyer, Gordy has a huge piece today. Yeah, and uh, he sort of went, uh, what they would say, uh, oppo of you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. That, uh, it's good read. It's a great read. Uh, Gordy always uh, provides uh, compelling uh, work. Check it out, along with uh, Jesse's work at ESPN Chicago. Uh, so, yeah, uh, he's, a, he's a one-trick pony. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Let the record show, Gordy. That was not me. No, Gordy. Gordy. Well, he's been he's been on this he's I, been on this sort yeah. of kick for right. a while, which is fine. Oh, no. Look, I, you believe what you believe, and uh-huh. you you take it to its to its end. Fine. Um, you know, and and that's yeah. yeah. I'm just kidding around. Oh no, it's must read, just as you are, Jesse. Also, all right. Let's bring in Eric Ostrowski. Eric, what do fans say on, on this? Who? Okay, so like we said, two percent have voted for or John Paxson. So who do you have more faith or confidence in? Only two percent of the voters have faith in Paxson. Right, right. Twenty-one percent of the voters have faith in Ryan Pace. Uh huh. Twenty-six percent of the voters have faith in Rick Hahn. Hmm. And 51% with the majority has Steel Epstein. And that is almost lockstep to the numbers I showed, where there are uh, Cubs double socks often in uh, demographic uh, research right. and mm-hmm. surveys in Chicago. I'll tell you one thing, Jesse. Ryan Pace, I think in the last two weeks, if this was two or three weeks it's ago, Ryan downhill. Pace might have won it all. <laughs> 
Right, right. I actually like that that those results. I really do. Mm-hmm. Nothing against Pace or Han. It's yeah. like it's like if you're just assessing how the Sox rebuild w- w- is going, you'd say, oh, it's 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 thirty. Maybe it's more than twenty one percent. It's thirty percent there. Right. Forty. You know, it's moving yeah. along. Mm-hmm. The same thing with the Bears. Okay, it's moving along. You can see the mistakes they may have made on offense. It's not quite there yet. So I I that voting makes sense to me. All right. Jesse, we got a few minutes left. Always great to visit with Jesse Rogers. Uh, I got the old yellow pad out, and I was on my uh, third blue cheese olive the other night, okay? If you know what well, I you mean. You said two the other day. Now you're up to three, well, okay? Th- no, that's, no, that's, <laughs> no, that's when I did this particular yellow pad. Now, I got it, okay. got it, got it. And the three-legged stool versus the two-legged stool, which is pretty simple. Uh, Back when I was a kid, there were no free agents yet. That's yeah, Grandpa. You got Grandpa Rossi. <laughs> this is before they were free. There was only two. This is the two-legged stool. There were only got two it. ways to improve your team: be it the Bears, the Sox, the Cubs, the Blackhawks, anybody. You either brought up from the minor league system, or you traded. The only two ways you could do it. And you only could trade if you had something to trade, and then you hoped you could replace them internally from the minor leagues. It was tough to improve a team with the two-legged stool. Then they give you the free agency, and all of a sudden, hey, now the stool, I can really, it's got three legs. I can sit on it. It's not wobbling. I'm not ready to fall over. I can bring up the minor leaguers still. I can make the trade. Or if I got the checkbook, I can bring in free agents. So there's only three ways to improve the team. Now, I sat down and I looked at this with the yellow pad and I jotted down Jesse real quick. Names that Theo cannot trade. All right. And we'll Mm -hmm. uh, just whip through these and we'll argue about it later. But real quick, just for purposes, he can't trade Rizzo. He can't trade Kyle Hendricks. He can't trade Javi Baez and he can't trade the catcher. That's just my opinion. And Darvish, it's probably hard to trade because of the dough. So now, which guys are no value guys? Guys that you wouldn't get nothing for, so don't don't even worry about throwing them in. You'll get nothing for Bodie, nothing for Almora, nothing for Russell, nothing for Descalso. You can't trade Hayward because of the dough. Uh, Lester's too much dough, not that you'd want to. Quintana, people say, I don't think there's much value there. Anyway, this leaves us with the following. These are guys that you can trade, in my opinion, all right? Nico Horner, not that I want to. Mm-hmm. Bryant, Schwarber. And then you got the Chetwoods, the Caratinis, uh, maybe the Haps, the Ryans, the Wick, and the Wick, Wick A and Wick B, burning the Wick at both ends, the candle, Stropa, Maples. Okay, so it gets, you know what, this whole thing is simple if you look at it this way, Jesse. The only thing that he can really do is trade Bryant and Schwarber. Now, here's where the two-legged stool and the three-legged stool comes in. If you got a farm system, this is where you get rich quick. You trade Bryant, and then you bring up the third base star of the future. Now you got the guys you got for Bryant, and you got third base. And then you trade Schwarber. And then you know what? You bring up that left fielder from the farm system, and you got the guys you got from Schwarber. But there is no farm system. So he's got to replace Bryant with the free agent, and he's got to replace Schwarber with a free agent. Now, let me ask you this. They had a guy that played right field. 
Castellanos. If they mm-hmm. they gotta sign him. The gun is at their head. His agent is gonna hold him up for highway robbery. They gotta sign Castellanos and you gotta put him in left field to replace Schwarber because Hayward's going nowhere. And that means third base. You gotta bring in a free agent. I don't see him spending money in, on uh, uh, Rondon, uh, but I'd like to. That leaves what other the three third base free agents are. They're like the Mustakases of the world. He's very limited, but if you break it down, it's real obvious what he's going to have to do. I don't know if I completely agree with all that. I think you are you are looking maybe I don't know what the word is too specific, too small scale. Uh-huh. I think I think he's got a, a little bit more of a clean slate. This is what I think. Mm-hmm. We are getting closer to free agency for several guys, not just one. Several guys, Bryant. Schwarber. We're approaching that window. Remember, 12 months out, no, almost nobody signs an extension these days. Mm-hmm. Almost. Yeah. They want it, they're, they're that close. They want to get to free agency. This is what I think is going to happen. I think to, to get some cost certainty and some understanding, I think he's going to go to all his stars and say that are getting closer, including Rizzo, who is basically it's two option years. So who's, he's two years and say, all right, who's signing up, of course, with a hometown discount? Who's going to play ball with me? Schwarber, you're going to play ball? Brian, you're going to play ball. And the guys that don't want to play some ball mm-hmm. are the guys that are more on the trade block than right. the other ones. Right. And I would inc- and I would include, and Wilson Contreras is further away from, but I would include Wilson Contreras. Right. Now, to me, that's not a no-brainer. Now, I know it's great to have a bat behind the plate, but there are some warts. He's right. a little ca- bit more injury prone. Who catches? Who catches? I don't know that answer. Well, that's my point. That, I, that's what a clean slate is. Well, then it's yeah, another free maybe, agent. Then it's not. Well, maybe, or you could, or you make one trade. You, you make one yeah. trade and then another trade and then maybe a maybe Caratini's the starter. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. But that's where that's where you the clean slate. But comes you got in. a two legged stool because you don't have the farm system. I'm just saying he's right. in a pickle. Right. Real quick, Jesse, I was thinking of you, uh, Eric. We have a soundbite. This was the uh, Houston Astros playing Tampa. Bay Rays uh, Thursday uh, night, and uh, let's see here. Houston just had five straight hits in the first inning, right? And they're up four to nothing. And Jim Bowden's in the booth. It's only a 10-second cut, but I thought of you. What a tremendous approach, all of these Astro hitters here in the first inning. They didn't worry about watch angle. They didn't worry about power. All of them just trying to hit line drives all over the ballpark, and that's what they're doing. Stop the tape. I thought of you, and we've been talking. No launch angles, trying to lift the ball. Five hits. They're up 4 nothing in the first inning, making contact, barreling up the ball. Little caveat, as we know now, uh-huh. Glasnow was tipping his pitches. Right, this is oh, game yes. five. That helps. He yes. was tipped. So, okay. so now you're not, you're not thinking launching because you don't need to. All you're right. thinking, how do I hit this curveball? Oh, you're right. Good a point. little, but but in general, look, yeah. are, the, are the Astros better on offense than the Cubs? You know, is it 100 percent better or 200 percent better? Uh-huh. Their approach in general is better. But when you know the pitch is coming, it's a little different. But wait, but wait, look, hold on, hold I'm on. But, 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 if I know the pitch is coming, maybe I'm more apt. To try to launch it out of the park, I don't just yeah, but not on a curveball out. You uh, know, a curveball's oh, yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try, yeah. Right. but but in general, okay. yes. I mean, and this is the problem: the same kind of pitcher can get too many Cub hitters out. The yeah. guys, the Cubs saw the least amount of fastballs. Uh, There's a reason for that. Yep, yep. So that's another reason he's got to make change, even for change's sake, uh-huh. to change it up. He's got to do it to. 
to pr- provide that uh, variety yeah. in the lineup. Lovely Dana doesn't like butterscotch topping on her ice cream, Jesse. And she says seventy percent of people agree with her. That's what she said. Now you butterscotch topping, yes, occasionally on your ice cream, butterscotch topping, never, forever, this is, or th- never. This is this is why I like Dana so much. Never, <laughs> never. No. Uh, but I'm actually, but I'm a pretty simple guy. I'm a, I'm a chocolate ice cream with a little little whipped cream on top, guy. So I'm a bad I'm a bad guy because I'm pretty simple but no 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 butterscotch well i tell you what our first year on belmont avenue you were nice enough to actually think that i knew what i was talking about thank you buddy (laughs) you're the best murph and again condolences to fred i hope you guys are back next week and uh just uh just a lovely woman pat was but great talking to you for the for the 45 minutes, I'll put on my time card and <laughs> and enjoy the offseason. It's going to be very interesting. I, I I still think it's Ross's job to lose, but who knows? Maybe Girardi blew him away. I mean, what were they doing for eight hours? Ordering pizza? There had to be some good stuff in there, so uh, we'll see. Great 45 minutes here with old man Stalzer. Thanks a lot, Jesse. <laughs> Take care, Mark. Take care. ESPN 1000. you're with us. It's Murph and Fred show. And uh, a couple minutes away from oh, one of our favorite guys, Arthur Akush, football guy, great, great football guy, managing editor over at Pro Football Weekly. You know, there's some stuff from Mark Potash today. Bears guy, sometimes. Always good stuff from Mark Potash. He uh, does a thumbnail here on 10 different Bears players that uh, are all right now. You know, hey, what's going on? Guys like Mitch Trubisky, the update. uh, Our own Jeff Dickerson implying that uh, Mitch Trubisky, he believes, uh, very well will be back next game. Uh, But nothing carved in stone. Akeem Hicks, Kyle Long, he talks about here being Mark Potash. Here, Roquan Smith, all right? Here's what Mark Potash wrote. He returned from a one-game absence because of a personal issue. Uh, But against Oakland, he wasn't the same player that he's been despite nine tackles. He says if this situation lingers, Nick Kwiatkowski will look like a better option more and more. Not saying, you know, bench Roquan. Not saying knee-jerk one game. If the situation lingers, whatever that is, or the game he had against Oakland, despite the nine tackles, Nick Kwiatkowski will be a better option more and more, meaning as the season goes on. You know, Kwiatkowski, he stops the run, you know. People are saying that they didn't see Roquan Smith. How do I, what were they? They were saying he was avoiding contact. I'm not saying that. I'm not smart enough to watch the game and tell you that. Some inside people had said that this week. Wasn't running downhill. So uh, that'll be interesting. And a little side note. Did you verify this, uh, EL11? So Mike Davis, the uh, free agent offseason signing to be like the number two back uh, behind uh, 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 David, uh, David Montgomery. He had no carries last week. But the Minnesota game, 
The Minnesota game, which we all know was the one, the game time surprise that Roquan Smith was not activated, not dressed because of personal issues. Did you know this? Mike Davis also, and no one caught this because the story was Roquan Smith. Game four, Minnesota, also on the inactive list. Lastman did not dress. I actually just found an article on why he did not dress. It was personal issues, but it's because uh, his father passed away. Oh, that's fine. It took me, I literally just found the article Thank this you. second. Because I heard no comment all week on it. Me neither. And, uh, I didn't even realize he didn't dress when you mentioned it to yeah, me earlier. Yeah. Okay, well, then, you know, uh, and now we know what occurred. All right, uh, let's take a quick break. When we return, hour number three, and uh, we'll visit with Arthur Arkish, football guy, one of the best in the business, Pro Football Weekly. It's ESPN 1000.